Thank you for that, Dewana. Man, I might as well just do the invitation and dismiss. <laughs> That'll get me out of it too, won't it? No, <laughs> after Brother Wes and then Dewana, what an amazing thing. And the thing, were y'all reading the words as she played those words, those, that hymn? And just to think about how amazing our God is and to... To contemplate, have you ever, even during a song, just stopped singing and just listened or said the words and over in your heart and praised the Lord with your heart? What an amazing thing is Brother West brought to our attention today, just reminding us the truths of doctrine, the truths of God's word, the truth of his amazing and wonderful grace through the songs that we sing. What an amazing time of worship that we get to be a part of as a body singing together in unison, in unified body of Christ, singing praise to him. What a blessing that is. So continuing on in our series that Pastor Scott's been doing in the book of James, we fall on wisdom. And so he asked me to do the message on wisdom, of course. Y'all aren't shocked by that at all, I know. Y'all are going, (laughs) the wisest guy in the church, let's let him preach the sermon on wisdom, right? So yeah, the opposite, that tells you right there by that statement that I'm not the wisest guy because there's no humility in that, is there? (laughs) So, um, But turn to James chapter 3 is where we're going to be. But I want us to look at another scripture real quick. And you don't have to turn to it. I'm just going to read it to us. It's in Proverbs chapter 9, and it's verse 10. And it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So where does wisdom begin? In the fear of the Lord, when we recognize who God is and who we are, when we compare ourselves to a holy God and to broken people in need of a Savior, we begin to see the beginning stages of wisdom and what wisdom looks like because we are dying of ourselves in order to be born again and live in Him and through Him, and that is a picture of the beginning of wisdom. But it goes on from there, and it says, um, he continues in verse 10, he says, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so as we begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, he gives us something, doesn't he? And it's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, and that Holy Spirit speaks through us. He speaks through us as we read his word. He speaks through us as we pray. He speaks through us as we interact with one another. He speaks to us in the moments of joy and blessing, and he speaks to us in the moments of just bitterness and anger and I don't like where I am in life right now. He still speaks even in those moments. I'm reminded of the story. Anybody, I want you to think of some of the people that come to mind when you think of wisdom. Just think of some of those people. Just maybe a name that pops in your head. Some of you may be thinking of biblical people like Solomon, but I want you to think of somebody that you know that just, when you think of what wisdom looks like, it's this person. Hopefully, we all have that person in our lives, because those are those people that we can go to, and we can know that when we come to them and ask them for advice, we know that when we come to them and we seek their wisdom, that we're not getting their opinions, are we? We're not getting what we want to hear, but we're getting from someone a spoken word from the Holy Spirit through them because they're seeking God daily in their lives. They're seeking God before they give us an answer. 
You know those people? I had this amazing man, and it's still a part of my life today and still speaks into my life. His name is Louis Dugas. None of you would know who Louis Dugas is, but Louis Dugas is one of these guys, this older guy in, in the church I came from, and just really poured in to mine and Amy's life, he and his wife. He's one of those guys that when I was struggling through things, I can call him up and I can talk with him, and he will pray for me, and he will always come back to me later and say, I've been, I've been praying, and this is what I'm getting from this. That speaks volumes, doesn't it? He's not just wanting to give me the right thing to do in the moment. He's not just wanting to give me his thoughts or his perspective of the situation. He may at times, but when it's most impactful on me is when he calls me back later and says, I've been praying about this, and this is what God's shown me. There's wisdom in that, isn't it? But then think of the story of Solomon, because we can go to Scripture and we can look at Solomon and think about who Solomon was, and he's known as what? Anybody? The wisest man, right? God offers him anything you want, and what does he ask for? Wisdom. That shows right there I'm not wise, because that wouldn't have been what I would have asked for in that moment. <laughs> I could think of a thousand other things that I would have gone, oh, God, let me give you my list of things that I want in life or things that I need in life. But Solomon saw that not only did he want, but he needed wisdom. If he was going to lead the people of Israel, he needed wisdom more than all the wealth of the world, more than any of those things. And we know Solomon became a very wealthy man, didn't he? People traveled afar to come and seek wisdom from him. But there's this story in Scripture that blows my mind because there's no biblical precedence. There's nothing that we can go to in Scripture and find an answer for in this story. And the story is there's two prostitute ladies, and they're living in the same brothel, and they both have babies at the same time. And one of the babies, in the middle of the night, one of the ladies rolls over on her baby and kills the baby. And so when she realizes that the baby's dead, she goes to the other lady, and she takes the baby out of that lady's room and puts the deceased baby into that, into that room and then takes the live baby into her room. So the next day when that mother wakes up, she finds a deceased baby and she realizes and looking at it goes, this isn't my baby. And so they bring it before King Solomon. And he's now got to make a decision of whose baby does this belong to. Now there's no DNA test at this time. There's no, we'll go get some blood work and we'll determine who this baby belongs to. He's got to make a decision in that moment of who gets this baby. And he does something crazy and radical, doesn't he? He says, bring me a sword. And so they bring him a sword and, they and he then commands him, he says, now take this sword and cut the baby in two. Now this is one of those vacation Bible school stories, isn't it? But cut, <laughs> cut the baby in two and then split it and give it to the, to the mothers. And one mother... One mother yells out, no, give, give her the baby. Don't take this baby's life. Give her the baby. The other mother says, no, kill the baby. If, if one of us can't have one, none of us should have one. And King Solomon through that, in his wisdom, he makes a decision, doesn't he? And he says, give the baby to the woman who says, please 
give the other lady the baby. Don't let this baby die. He sees something. And it goes on to say that the people of Israelite, as word, Israel, as word gets out among them, that they are in awe of this decision that he made because they're all going, how are we going to work this out? This is a mess. But God gave him wisdom in that moment. He didn't have scripture to go back to. He didn't have any of those things, but he had the Holy Spirit. He had a relationship with him. He had a relationship with God speaking into him in this moment. And he had wisdom. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't come until New Testament. Not true. The Holy Spirit is alive and well from the very beginning, isn't he? In Genesis, he tells us that the Holy Spirit is alive and well. What an amazing story to see. Because it's easy to only read parts of the Bible and get some things out of it. But when we look at Genesis and we see the work of the Holy Spirit, we see David cry out asking God, don't remove the Holy Spirit from me. We see others, the Holy Spirit was at work then and he is at work now. It's easy for us to look at Solomon and go, well, I wish God would give me that. Ask me, what do I want? Of course, I would tell him wisdom. Because I know the outcome of what wisdom brings us, right? All the riches of the world, all the right answers, all the people coming to seek us for answers, those things. But Solomon wasn't that guy. He came with humility. I want us to look at our scripture in James 3, starting with verse 13. And he starts it off and he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Now, he's not playing around with these words, is he? These are pretty harsh words when we think about it. Because our world has its own view of what wisdom looks like, doesn't it? We seek a whole nother kind of wisdom in our world. It's selfish. It's always looking to build myself and what can I get out of it. Because think about it, if I had the answer, if, if God was to ask me, what do you want in this world? Anything you want, I'll give to you. I think of everything I want. And that's an earthly kind of wisdom of thinking, well, if I had more money, then I could do more God's work. We ever think that? We all do. God, if you would just let me be in this position, then look at what I could do with that. God, if you would just do this for me, look at what I could do with that. And do you see the theme in that, the recurring theme? is me and I. And so there's always, there's peace of us that we just, we have this selfish ambition about us. We have this desire to make ourselves known. We were in, I was driving in the truck last night. Asher uh, went with me yesterday. We had to go get some dog feed. While we were out, we came by the church and I wanted to just get some time to study last night and come to my office. And on the way, Asher kept saying, he said, Daddy, I don't want them to know who Asher is. And I said, well, who, who, is, who is they? Who are you talking about? I, for those of you who don't know, that's my son, and he's five years old. And he said, Dad, I don't want them to know who Asher is. I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't want, who, who do you not want? He said, Dad, I don't want anybody to know who Asher is. So there's this welling up in my heart, and I'm going, oh, man, God, why can't I be like this? He doesn't want anybody to know who he is. 
God, he wants to point everybody to you. And so then I continue on and I said, well, Asher, who are you wanting to point them to? Because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, here we go. Look at, look at daddy. Look at the job mom and daddy have done on, on our boy, Asher. And I'm going to them, and then Asher goes, I only want them to know the superhero that I am, daddy. I, I don't want them to know the guy behind the mask. And so, <laughs> Isn't that how we think? You know, from the mouth of babes, they say, and that is so true. It did give me the moment to speak into his life and say, Asher, that's a great thing, but we want to even point people bigger than that. We want to point them to Jesus. And if you ever tell anybody in public, that's the answer you give them, not, <laughs> not this other answer. But it was, it was this special moment with him and watching how his mind works and thinking about how I work. And you know what the reality of it is, as I get older, I like removing the mask. I don't want, I want people to know who the superhero is. I want people to know that, hey, look at what Scott did. Look at what Scott accomplished. Look at all of these things. And we lose, we lose what true wisdom from the Holy Spirit is all about. Because true wisdom will always point to who? Jesus Christ. We will always dive ourselves so that he can be risen, so that he, his name is above all names, not our names. And so when I read that scripture, it hits home to me. It's harsh. It's harsh because he says, but if you harbor bitter envy, have you ever wanted stuff that other people had? If you're selfish, ambition in your heart, do not boast it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from the heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. You ever think about Satan working in our lives in these areas? Big time. He, he takes all of our knowledge, all of our wisdom, and he points it back to us, doesn't he? And he promotes us. And what, what, what comes before the fall? Pride. And that's exactly what Satan does, is he's, he's constantly pointing it back to us, going, look at what you did. What a statement you just made. Look how you helped this person. Look how you helped that person. What truth you just spoke into their life, on and on and on. The good thing about churches is in churches, we always only give biblical wisdom, right? <laughs> not, at, not at all. How many of you have ever thought for a moment, what were... What were you thinking when you told that person that, no, don't do that, don't go there. But we, we fall into that trap of we've got the right answers. He goes on in verse 17, he says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. See, one of the reasons we struggle in these areas is we're not dying of ourselves daily. We're not seeking God to speak truth through us into other people's lives. Because doesn't he use us in that way? He does. He gives us every opportunity every single day. But we've got to be in his word and we've got to be in prayer. We've got to constantly seek him. We've got to constantly die 
of ourselves because I have all the right answers, don't you? I can speak lots of truths into your lives, right? You don't want that, though. You don't need that bigger. The problem is some of us do want that, don't we? We just want answers so that we can feel good about moving forward. You don't need that in your life. What we need is people seeking after the Holy Spirit to speak truth, to speak purity. Because when it comes with a pure heart, there's no selfish ambition, is it? When it comes from a pure heart, there's no desire for you, them to do it your way. Because my way doesn't always make, make sense in my way, but God's way doesn't always make sense to me, does it? I mean, think of throughout Scripture how many things that we read and we go, this is just, this can't be right. What, you want him to do what? You're asking them to do what? It does, it's not rational. But yet we get to see and we look back on Scripture and see the outcome of those moments, don't we? And we see that God was moving and at work in those moments. And that's the thing. When it's irrational, when it doesn't make sense, I'm out of the picture, aren't I? I can't answer for those things. I can't take credit for those things. Only God could have orchestrated that. When I think about salvation, when I think about the fact that God came to this earth and walked on this earth. What, what wisdom is that from a holy God to say, I'm going to come down off my throne. I'm going to come down from heaven and I'm going to walk with you. I don't, I don't, there's not a lot of wisdom in my thinking to that. To my thinking is no, stay in your high place so that you can direct us and lead us and guide us. Don't come down. But he does, he comes down. And he walks with us and he goes through pain and he goes through hunger and he goes through thirst and he goes through losing people in death and he goes through ministering and fatigue and all of those things. And then he goes to a cross. And in my wisdom, I'm going, why don't you just speak it? Why don't you just speak salvation? You spoke the world into being. You spoke into all the universe, all the stars, the most minute thing to the greatest things. You spoke those things into being. Why don't you just say, all is well, you're forgiven. In my wisdom, I look at that and go, no, we're not, we're not going to send him to a cross. God's going to fix this. But he goes to the cross. Because in my wisdom, I don't understand what it looks like for a broken human being to be able to stand before a holy God. My wisdom, I don't understand the need of his blood. I don't understand the sacrifice, the price that he was willing to pay so that I could have a relationship with him. Where's wisdom in that? But I'm so grateful that my God does not operate on my wisdom. I'm so grateful that my God doesn't just say, here's the easy way. I'm so grateful that he doesn't just lay it all out for me and give me every single step of the way that 
he gives me opportunities to be reliant on him, to seek his face, to grow in him. Because if he just laid it out and spelled it out for me, I would never stop to look at him, would I? I would always be going in my road of life, because isn't that what I already do most of the time? But yet, in his wisdom, he gives us the Holy Spirit. In his wisdom, he gave us his word. And we can go back to his word and we can seek the Holy Spirit as we read his word and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us in, in his word. And the Holy Spirit gives wisdom and gives answers and helps us, enlightens us to what his word is saying and how to apply it and how to use it. One of the most amazing parts of scripture that I love to read about is um, Peter and them before the Sanhedrin and they're, they're, they're blown away because they're going, these are uneducated men. It's more than obvious that they knew Jesus. How else could they have known? How else could they have preached from the power than other than the Holy Spirit in them? That just people just knew, hey, they don't have all the greatest education. They don't have all the right credentials. But they have Jesus. Think about that. Jesus Christ takes our greatest weaknesses, the things that the world looks at and, and just laughs at, and he makes them our greatest strengths. What an amazing thing to think that we serve that kind of God. In your notes today, there's a list of eight things of characteristics based on James 3, 13 and 18. The first one says, wise people don't constantly brag, boast, or display a prideful attitude. They are humble. With wisdom comes humility. Wise people live an upright and moral life. They practice good deeds. Wise people treat others with care and respect. They are gentle. Wise people put the needs of others ahead of themselves whenever possible. They are considerate. Wise people don't foster division. Instead, they work to end strife and turmoil. They are peace-loving. Wise people demonstrate compassion, forgiveness, and kindness to others. They are merciful. Wise people are genuine, real, and honest not deceitful or hypocritical or false. They are sincere. Wise people are fair and just. They do not show partiality to others for their own benefits. They are impartial. It's easy to read that list of characteristics. If you're like me and go, I'll never have wisdom. I'll never be this person it's easy to be overwhelmed by a list of that and go i struggle in eight out of eight anybody feel my pain there and we we give up don't we and we go well it's great for a guy like solomon it's great for a guy like lewis dugas it's great for whoever that person was that you said in your mind earlier but 
I'll never be that. I'll never achieve that. And so we just accept who we are and we just go, well, this is who I am and this is how I am and everybody just knows that about me. Because you know what, we also know those people that whenever we're speaking about them, that everybody just kind of rolls their eyes and goes, well, yeah, not surprised that you got that response from them. We all know those people, right? I'm usually, that, my name probably popped up in most of your minds at that moment. I'm usually that guy. But think about it. It's easy to stop and just go, well, I'm that guy, or I'm that girl, I'm that lady. Don't sell our God short and what he can do in your life. We serve a powerful God. His Holy Spirit is alive and at work in your life. He can make all of these characteristics come true and come alive in you. Does that mean that every moment of every day you're going to live out these? Not at all. Not at all. See, the, the guy that I spoke about earlier, Mr. Lewis Dugas, as much as I love him, as, as much as he means to me, and as much as I see the wisdom and who he is and the life that he lives, I also recognize that he's a man. I also recognize that he has struggles and failures and all of those things. I know that about him. But I also see the grace of Jesus Christ in his life and saying, I'm going to take a broken person and I'm going to put some things in you and some characteristics in you that are not you. They're all me. That's what the Holy Spirit's saying. Because when we can come to that place of recognizing that I don't have any of these characteristics, I wish that I was more humble. I wish that I was gentle. But my first reaction typically is not gentle. My first reaction typically is brash and harsh and here you are and here it goes and you deserve this and I'm just speaking truth so I can speak it and you got to take it. And that, that's my first reaction. It's amazing to see when God takes some of those moments that we look back on and you see gentleness and you see in that moment who was that person that just responded in that way? Because that's not typically my response. And we get to see God in those moments working. And it's in those moments that we praise our God. And we recognize that all of these characteristics are all of him and none of me. And I give him glory and I give him praise. And when I read James and I read that list of things that we read at the end of James, and I go, there's no way I can ever be any of those things. That's only reserved for guys like Solomon. No. God's saying, if you have a relationship with me, if you're seeking my face, my Holy Spirit lives and resides in you. And through my Holy Spirit and through my word, I am going to speak wisdom. And on the other side, never discount someone else either. Because the same God that's at work in your heart and in your life is at work in their heart and their life. And maybe they don't always exhibit that. That's when we intercede in prayer for them, that God, that God would show himself real in their lives and that they would see those moments and that God would allow us to see some of those moments to be a part of some of those moments in their lives, to watch God do amazing 
things as he transforms a person. How many of us, do we just love the fact of being able to watch somebody grow in the Lord? Does it, does it excite us when we see them where they were this time last year and where they are today and they're not the same person? It should. I hope it does. And if it doesn't, I hope that your prayer life begins to change and that you start seeking God and start asking God to reveal to you the work that he's doing all around you because he's at work around you and you're missing it if you're not seeing that in people's lives. I tell people all the time, I hope that you can say about me that I'm not the same person you met a year ago when I came to this church. I hope that you see, if you know me, that you see a different person in me because if you don't, if you haven't seen change in my life, then I need to get right with my God because my God is always growing. He's always changing. He's always showing me. And if I'm continuing to accept who I am and not being willing to be, submit to his authority and not willing to say, God, I come to you broken, change me, make me more of who you are, I pray that you see a change in each one of our lives. That's not an insult to come to me and say, I've seen amazing growth. That is one of the greatest blessings that I think we can give to one another. It's to say that to each other, to say, I have watched God move and change in your life that I never would have thought could have happened. And we're giving glory to God, not to that person. We're not boosting their ego or pride or anything. We're giving the glory to God because we're recognizing that they did nothing. Only the Holy Spirit in them did those things. That's wisdom. That's what wisdom looks like. So for all of us in this room that feel like I'm not that person, God is a mighty, mighty God. And he gives amazing wisdom in the right moments, at the right times, to point people to who he is. What an amazing thing. Moses had a whole list of things of why he wasn't the right guy, didn't he? But God chose him to do a mighty work. We can all say the same thing. But God has put you in a place and a time, this place, this time, this moment, at your jobs, in your homes, at your schools, wherever it is that you may find yourself, at the convenience stores, at Walmart, at the grocery store, wherever it may be, and he is working in you. And he's put you in that moment to point people to who he is, to bring glory to his name. What a beautiful thing to think about who our God is. We're going to have a time of invitation, um, and just want you to think about that. Maybe you've been hard on yourself of just beating yourself up and going, I'll never achieve any of these things. And maybe you need to bring that to the altar. And maybe you need to say, God, today I submit. I'm, letting, I'm laying all of these reasons, these excuses, this stuff. I'm laying those things at the altar. And God, I seek your wisdom. Let your Holy Spirit speak through me. Maybe some of you have got some things you're dealing with right now with family members. Maybe you're dealing with it with spouses or children or or a coworker or whatever it may be. Maybe you need to come to this altar and you need to just ask God to give you wisdom. Not what you think is right, 
But you have to be willing to submit to that wisdom, even when it's not rational, even when it doesn't make sense to you. But you're willing to say, God, I trust you, and I lay this at your feet, and I give this to you. This is your moment. This is your time to come do that. Maybe you want to join our church. Brother West is going to come, and he's going to lead us in a closing invitation to come and be a part of our church family. We would love to have you, love to speak with you. We'll have courage, encouragers down here at the front that will meet with you during this time. So come, submit.